I cry aloud to the Lord. I plead aloud to the Lord for mercy. I pour out my complaint before him. I reveal my trouble to him. Although my spirit is weak within me, you know my way. Along this path I travel, they have hidden a trap for me. Look to the right and see, no one stands with, up for me. There is no refuge for me, and no one cares about me. I cry to you, Lord. I say, you are my shelter, my portion in the land of the living. Listen to my cry, for I am very weak. Rescue me from those who pursue me, for, the, for they are too strong for me. Free me from prison so that I can praise your name. The righteous will gather around me because you deal generously with me. The word of the Lord. Good morning, everyone. Good to see all of you this morning. My name's Eric, and I am one of the Pastor Eric's here at Trinity. One of our top four goals as a church this year is going deep in prayer. Being people who develop a deep prayer life. Becoming a church that has a deep prayer life. And it's an obvious point, but the opposite of going deep in prayer is staying shallow in prayer. So the question we've been asking is, how can we go deep? How do we get below the surface with God? And that's where this current series came from. We're in a series on the Psalms, and the Psalms is probably the best place for us to look if we're looking for what a deep living, real relationship with God looks like, what it sounds like, and what it feels like. The Psalms have been called the prayer book of the Bible. They've been called the emotional handbook that God has given us in His Word. And the Psalms have been called the anatomy of the soul because of the scope of human emotion and experience that they show us. The Psalms are a deep Life of prayer in action. There are 150 psalms. So in an eight-week eight series, which is what we're doing, we had to be very selective about which psalms that we choose to look at, which parts of our spiritual anatomy we would focus on. And when I came uh, to Psalm 142, I was reading this psalm, and I was actually not very familiar with this psalm before. But when I read it, I thought, here is a part of our spiritual anatomy we need to pay attention to. It's a prayer. You may have picked it up as you were listening to it read. It's a prayer about loneliness. It's one of the loneliest psalms, one of the loneliest prayers. If you look at verse 4, that's one of the loneliest statements in all of the Bible. There is no one who cares about me, which is one of the worst feelings that we could ever have. It's being said that in the United States, in the UK, in Australia, and even in Japan, that in all these countries, there is an epidemic of loneliness. You may have read about that. You may have seen that phrase. In the United States, some studies report that nearly half of all people report feeling lonely. Almost half of the population of the United States says that no one really knows me. No one really knows what's going on with me. 
And what the studies are finding and showing us is that this is not one particular age group that is feeling this, this epidemic. The elderly, Generation Z, millennials, all report increased feelings of loneliness. And in the, in the UK and England, they've even responded by creating a new cabinet position. They call it the Minister of Loneliness, so they can figure out how to deal with this issue in their country. So there's been a lot of discussion as to what's causing this epidemic. Is it busyness? We're very busy people. Busyness can lead to a shallow connection with many, but going deep with none. Could it be that we live in a very um, transitory culture? It's hard for us to stay in one place for a long time. Could it be technology? Could it be the Internet? If you're familiar with the work of Sherry Turkle, she talks about uh, how the Internet, how technology gives us the opportunity to present a filtered self to the world. So if all we present to other people is a filtered self, then nobody knows the real us. Is it the breakdown of social fabric? Is it individualism? Maybe it's all those all together. Whatever the cause, the cause is, loneliness is something it seems like we should all be prepared to deal with. And one of the reasons I was drawn to Psalm 142 is that this is one of the psalms where we know the backstory as to where this psalm came from. Do you see it? It's, it's not listed in one of the verses, but it's there at the title of the psalm. It's, there's a note, and these notes are a part of, of Scripture. It says, this is a masculine of David, in other words, a song, when he was in the cave. Kids, do you have your kids' bulletins? You see the cave on the cover? David wrote this song when he was in, in the cave. It's a prayer. This is a picture of what that cave might have looked like. We don't exactly know where, where David wrote this psalm, but it, it could have been in a cave like this. Let me tell you a little bit about the backstory. Some of you know King David's story. He had been anointed king as a young man. He wasn't looking to be anointed, but the prophet Samuel came to him and said, you are going to be king. But the problem was that there was already a king named Saul. And Saul was not interested in giving up his throne, the throne of Israel, to David. David then was, was given the opportunity, he wasn't looking for it, but he was given the opportunity to defeat Israel's archenemy, who was this giant Goliath, who was the champion of the Philistines. He defeated him. And when he defeated him, he became a national hero. So people started writing songs about David. He became very popular. People started flocking to David. And Saul, as we might under, understand or appreciate, he wasn't down with that. He didn't like the fact that everybody was flocking now to David. And so he became furious with, with envy and jealousy, and he tried to kill David. David became a fugitive on the run. He had to say goodbye, maybe forever, to his best friend, Jonathan, who happened to be King Saul's son. Right after that, he had, to, he had to lie to one of the priests of God. He had to go into a temple, into a sanctuary, and take the bread just to eat, and he had to lie to the priest to stay alive. He couldn't stay in Israel. He found himself going to the territory called Gath, which is where Goliath was from. 
He went into enemy territory. He went into the land of the Philistines. And in order to stay alive while he was there, he had to pretend like he was insane. This is the story in 1 Samuel. He had to start foaming at the mouth in order to show people that he wasn't a threat. Well, they didn't kill him, but they said, get out. He had nowhere to go. He was on the run. He was all alone. And he ended up in this cave, the cave of Adullam, which is mentioned in 1 Samuel 22, verse 1. What's very interesting is that in the Psalms, we have two Psalms that David wrote in this cave. We have Psalm 57 and Psalm 142. Now, if you look at Psalm 57, you'll find that this Psalm 57 couldn't be more different than Psalm 142. In Psalm 57, David is praying boldly and strongly and confidently, and he's saying, thank you for this cave, God. But then in Psalm 142, David is saying, I'm barely holding on. I barely have faith. God, get me out of this cave. It's a bit of a side note, but I'm thankful that we have two psalms that David wrote in the cave. It shows us that in the same situation and in the same issue, we can go up and we can go down in our faith and in our confidence. It's normal for our spiritual lives to have those ups and downs. I'm thankful for Psalm 57 where David says, it's hard, but God is with me. But God knew we would also need Psalm 142 when we say, it's hard. And I feel like I'm all alone. God knows we will all face times of loneliness. And he wants to show us in Psalm 142 what to do with our loneliness when it comes. But it's probably better to say this. Psalm 142 shows us what God wants to do with our loneliness when it comes. If you look at the psalm, it starts in weakness, but it actually ends up in confidence, in renewed faith, that God will restore David to community and end the loneliness. So let's talk about how David gets there, how David goes from weakness to renewed faith. I want to look at three things that Psalm 142 teaches that God does with the lonely. First, it's in your outline. If you have your worship folder and kids, if you have yours, God hears the lonely. We'll begin with that. We'll look at how God has a gift for the lonely. And thirdly, his promise to the lonely. First, this psalm gives us great encouragement. Great encouragement to those who are lonely. The very fact that Psalm 142 is a part of God's inspired prayer book means he doesn't just hear the prayers of those who have strong faith, but he hears the prayers of those who are barely holding on. He hears the prayers of those whose faith is weak and who feel all alone. David says, although my spirit is weak, verse 3, I'm still trying to pray. Verse 6, he says the same thing. Listen to my cry, for I am so weak. The first thing that God wants to do with us when we are lonely, the first thing he wants us to do is to tell him, to tell him all about it. 
One of the most lonely feelings in life, maybe you've experienced this, probably all of us have at one time or another, is if we're in a group of people and there's conversation going and people are laughing and talking and then we decide, oh, I'm, I'm going to chime in, I've got something to say. And we say, hey, yeah, and then what about this, guys? Did you hear about this? And then everybody starts talking to each other like you didn't even say anything and the conversation keeps going on. <laughs> that is one of the worst feelings you could ever have because you're like, well, okay, I'll just... I'll just go over here. You know, you guys can go on without me. It's a terrible feeling. Being heard is almost the same thing as feeling connected, is it not? The first thing we need to see in our loneliness, we need to have in our loneliness, is we need to know that we are heard, that someone is listening. Now, what kind of things does God encourage us to tell him when we feel lonely? There's a number of them in this psalm. First, God says, you can tell me when I feel distant. Tell God when he feels distant. A number of scholars point out that the way that the psalm starts is in the third person. Do you see that? Verses 1 and 2, I cry aloud to the Lord. I pour out my complaint before him. I reveal my trouble to him. The implication is, I'm praying he's not listening. He's not answering. I'm praying, I would paraphrase verses 1 and 2 to say, I'm praying, but God feels distant. In our praying, often God does feel like he's in the third person. My Christian friends, if I could speak to you, in our times when we are praying, in times when we feel like we need God the most, Sometimes it feels like we don't feel like he's there. We know he's there, but we don't feel it. It feels like we're talking and thinking about him, but God is in the third person. Where do we start? We start by telling God that's how it feels. God wants us to tell him when it feels like this. David moves on, and in verse 4, it says, you feel distant, God, but also people feel distant. Look at my right hand, he says, and see, the right hand, that's the place where your best friend should be. That's where the phrase right-hand man comes from. That's your best friend. That's your ally, the one who's meant to stand with you. David said, look, God, there's no one there. I have no best friend. No one stands up for me. I have no refuge. I have no safe place to go. No one cares about me. God, there's no one I can turn to. There's no one safe. No one who cares. I feel totally and utterly alone. Have you ever felt like that? I think everyone will and everyone has at some time. Psalm 142 says that's something we need to tell God. God, you feel distant. God, people feel distant, and David says, and I feel trapped in this. This emotion is, is palpable throughout the psalm. It's not helpful to tell a person that is lonely and struggling with loneliness, just get out of it. Go talk to people. Go hang out and make friends. That doesn't help because there's a sense when we are lonely and it's hard that we feel trapped in that loneliness. This is throughout the psalm. In verse 2, the word for trouble, where he says, I cry out to God in trouble. This is, this is a Hebrew word that means to trap, to hem in, 
to surround. This is like emotional claustrophobia. In verse 3, David says, everyone, I look around, everyone's like a hidden trap to me. I can't trust anyone. And then in verse 7, he cries out, set me free from this prison. He's not talking about a literal prison here. It's more of an emotional prison. He's saying, I'm alone and I feel trapped in this loneliness. I have no one to turn to. Isn't that how loneliness feels? We're lonely and we, we isolate ourselves. We're isolated and we feel more lonely. That's a cycle we feel trapped in. Psalm 142 says this. Even when God feels distant, even when people feel distant, even when we feel trapped, God is listening. Friends, God hears us. And David starts to realize this in verse 3. He says, even though my spirit is weak, you know my way. He transitions into the second person. God, you know my way. Although I feel all these things, you know you are listening, you hear. The word know there, kids, are you ready? I give you a Greek or Hebrew word every time that you're in here for a family service. Today's word is yada. Say yada. It's one of the best words in the Bible. It's the same word that describes the love for a husband and a wife and their intimate, close connection. David says, I don't feel it, God. But you know, you know everything that's going on and you hear and you are listening. With all the attention given to loneliness in the current research, one of the things that's been discovered, this is probably a very obvious point, is that there is a social stigma associated with admitting that we feel lonely, right? Who wants to say, I feel lonely? I'm lonely. No shame, that's okay. We can learn from you. When we feel lonely, we feel like we're losers, right? Like, I don't feel like anybody's around me. I don't have any friends. And who wants to say that? Who wants to be around somebody who says that? We think we're the only ones. And Psalm 142 says, the feeling of loneliness is not something we should be ashamed of. It's far more pervasive and common than any survey can find. We need to know, despite how distant and trapped we feel, when we are lonely, that God hears the lonely. But the psalm teaches us that God does more than hear the lonely. He has a special gift that he wants to give to the lonely. And it's something that the more I thought about it this week, the more I realized it's something that God can only give us in our loneliness. What is it? The best way for me to tell you is to return to David's story. Because if you read 1 Samuel 22, what what ends up happening is God very directly and dramatically answers the prayer of David in Psalm 142. He, He is flooded with companionship and community right after he prays this. We'll go back to that later. But as we see that, we see David went to the cave, he was lonely, and God provided for him and gave him this community and companionship. We could say, God could have provided that from the very beginning. He could have avoided this cave of loneliness altogether, but he didn't. Before God gave David the gift of human support and friendship, God wanted to give David a better gift in the cave all alone. That's what Psalm 142 is. 
It's David receiving this gift. Verse 5 is the turning point where David opens up his hands and he receives this gift. He says to God, you are my shelter. You are my portion. Shelter is a refuge, a safe place. Portion, it's a word used for the allotment of land given to people and tribes in the land of Israel. Your land or your plot of land, that was everything you had in life. David is saying, if all I'm allotted in life is you, that's enough. You have everything I need. If I have to choose between you and anyone and anything else, God, I choose you. David is receiving God's gift, which is God himself. But here's the question, why, why did David and why do we need the gift of loneliness to receive this greater gift? Why loneliness? First, because loneliness can reveal to us how much of our faith is really personal and how much of it is just putting on an act for other people. In Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, he said, religious people, they pray, but they just pray to be seen so other people can see them praying. But he said, those who pray in secret, those who pray alone, find the reward, which is not stuff from God, which is not the approval of other people, but is God himself. Robert Murray McChaney, an old Scottish pastor, said, what a man or a woman is on his or her knees before God that he or she is, and nothing more. If we just talk about God, if we just talk to God and act religious when other people are around or tell us to, and most of all, if we lack a personal prayer life, it's a sign that we may lack a really personal faith. This is one of the reasons we need loneliness, because it reveals this for us. It's just us and God. It was in the cave that David moved from the third person faith. The Lord, I'm praying to the Lord to a second person faith. You are my shelter and my portion. Why loneliness? God often uses loneliness to give us the gift of a personal faith. And there's another related reason why God allows these seasons of loneliness to come. Because our loneliness shows us how we've been looking to people to be for us what only God can be for us. David cried out to God right in verse 4. He said, there is no refuge. No one stands up for me. No one cares. Can we imagine God in the cave with David saying, David, what am I, chopped liver? I'm right here. When we are lonely and we feel like there's no one safe for us, there's no one who cares, there's no one who really knows us. And I want to say this carefully, but I want you to hear this. One of the gifts of loneliness is realizing this is true. It's true. Living in a broken world Living in a world where people are broken, where we are broken and sinful, means 
people will misunderstand us. We will never be fully known by another person. People may not be there when we need them the most. They will betray us, abandon us. People sometimes will not come through for us and let us down. Only God is safe. Only in God can we be fully known and fully loved and cared for in Christ. In verse 5, I think David realized, I've been looking to other people to be for me what God can only be for me. You are my shelter. When can we be lonely in life? We can be lonely when we're in a new place, right? We're the new, we're the new guy or we're the new girl. And we don't have relationships. Or it can be the complete opposite. We can have lots of friends. We can be married. We can be surrounded by people and still feel like we're in a cave of loneliness, right? And in our loneliness, we might think if we're in situation one, I just need to have friends. I just need to, to, to have these people in my life. I need to have that special someone in my life. Or if we're surrounded by people, we can say, I'm lonely, so I just need a new place. I need new friends. I need a new church. I need a new special someone in my life. What we need to see is this, that God orchestrates times in our lives when it's just us and God. We have nowhere else to go and no one else to turn to so that we can receive from him what no one else can give to us. I didn't realize it until this week how pervasive this theme is in the Bible. This is a major theme in Scripture. God did this for Jacob and Joseph and Job and Moses and Jeremiah and Elijah and David and even Jesus. All had intense seasons of loneliness in their lives. They felt completely alienated and alone from other people. Why? So they could take hold of the better gift. So maybe the epidemic of loneliness and our own loneliness are sacred gifts of God. For people who long to be fully known and fully loved. So we can drop the religious act and stop pretending. So we can stop looking to other people and personally take hold of God himself and say, you are my shelter. You are my portion. God hears the lonely. God gives this great gift of himself to the lonely and last and finally, God has a promise to the lonely. Do you see uh, how this psalm moves? Do you see there's a rising sense of confidence towards the end, verses 6 and 7. Look at verses 6 and 7. Starts, David is still saying, I'm, I'm weak, I'm barely holding on. But by the time we get to the end in verse 7, there's confidence again. David says, even though I'm weak and alone, I see that God is going to provide for me. Closer connection with him. And I'm going to have a gathering with other people in community. To all the lonely who say to God, you are my shelter, you are my portion. Psalm 142 does have a promise for us. We will come out of the cave. We will know him better. David says, I'm going to praise your name, 
God's name is His character. It's who He is. I'm going to know you better, and God will give us the gift of community. David says, the righteous will gather around me because you deal so generously with me. That God loves to give us the gift of human community. What began with distant loneliness ends with this, this firm and confident hope of connection. How does David grab a hold of this promise? How can we trust that this promise is true? Well, in the, day, in, in the cave, David heard and he held to the promise that we need to hear and hold to that can get us out of our times of loneliness. I think it's this phrase. It's in the Bible. It's in Hebrews 3, uh, 13, 2. We could put it up on the screen. He heard this. I, God saying, I will never leave you nor forsake you. This will be true when you have no one to stand for you, no one who's safe for you, no one who cares for you. I will never leave nor forsake you. In order for us to hear that, in order for us to grab a hold of that promise in the psalm, we need to see that this psalm is not just David's prayer in the cave for himself so that we just pray like David. We need to see that this was Jesus' prayer on the cross for us. We're not just hearing David's prayer. We're hearing the prayer of Jesus. On the cross, Jesus specifically prayed the loneliest of psalms. Psalm 69. I waited for sympathy. There was none. I waited for comforters but found no one. Instead, they gave me gall for my food and for my thirst. They gave me vinegar to drink. Psalm 22, verse 1. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus left his eternal, unbroken joy and connection with his Father to come into our world and experience loneliness throughout his life, but most intensely in his last hours. Jesus' closest friends weren't there for him. He looked to his right hand. No one was there. In his hour of greatest need, when he's praying for strength to carry our sin and our suffering to the cross, his best friends in the world, they were sleeping. He was betrayed by, G by Judas, one of his very closest friends in all the world, Peter, disowned him. No one stood up for him. He had no refuge. No one cared. And worst of all, when he felt most alone, he cried out to his father and he wasn't heard. He felt abandoned and forsaken by God. Friends, this is the gospel. This is good news for the lonely. Because Jesus was forsaken by God, we will never be. Anything and everything that separates us from God will be forever and completely removed. Our sin, our shame, our guilt, our unbelief, Jesus experienced the greatest loneliness possible, the hell of loneliness, so we could hear and hold on to this promise, I will never leave nor forsake you.
You might say, well, what about what I've done? What about how I've failed? God says, I will never leave nor forsake you. You might say, what about what others have done for me, how they failed me? God says, I will never leave nor forsake you. What about how I feel? You feel so distant. God says, I will never leave nor forsake you. That's his promise to the lonely. Friends, do you know that promise? This morning, you can hear it and you can grab a hold of it. One final thought of application. This psalm talks about the sufficiency of God for the lonely, but it also affirms our need for human connection and community. In Genesis, God said, it is not good for man to be alone, right? He said that to a human being who was without sin and in perfect relationship with him. We, are, we need and we are designed for connection and community with others. In verse 7, David, he acknowledges that. He says, a part of your abundant goodness to me is that you will gather me back in a good community. And when David realized what only God could be, what other people could be in his life, God brought him back into community with other people. This is what uh, 1 Samuel 22 says, the rest of the story. So David was in the cave of Adullam, but when his brothers and his father's household heard about it, they went down to him there. All those who were in distress or in debt or discontented gathered around him. He became their commander, and 400 men were with him. And if you, if you heard that description, I might, we might imagine David going, I wanted community, God, but I don't know if I wanted them. These are like the misfits. These are the, the uncool people. God gathered to David this broken community and said, here you go. Here's your community. I think in that we could see that, that what God was doing in David's life, what he wants to do in our life is change us into the people who gather in community for the right reasons. Not to impress other people, especially not to be a religious person trying to impress other religious people. That is the worst kind of community. Not to expect other people and friends and spouses and family to be what only God can be for us. But having God as our shelter and our portion, we build friendships and we build communities that are built on this, this, commu this, this commitment and this promise that, that God has made to us, we make it to others. I will stand for you, not because of what you can give to me. I will stand for you to give you a taste of who God is. I will be safe for you. I will care for you because I know one who is safe and who always cares for me. That's what church should be. I know we're celebrating this community, our family, welcoming new members to our family this Sunday. A church should be a safe haven for the lonely, a place to experience and be directed to, to Jesus' promise. I will never leave you nor forsake you. That when we forget it, when we don't feel it, we're there for each other to remind each other, hear it, hold on to it. In Jesus, you are fully known and fully loved. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. You built us. You built us for relationship. 
You built us for a relationship with you. And Lord, in these seasons of loneliness, when relationships break down for us between other people, and I pray right now, if, if, that's, if that's where we are, I pray that we would be able to hear and hold to your promise to us in Jesus. Meet the lonely. And Lord, may you help us be people who are sensitive to those who are struggling with loneliness. May we be a church. May we be people who don't try to be what only you can be for others, but be people who can point others to you. So that we might all say you are our shelter and our portion. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.